You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. Radio Drama Chapter 1, Launching Ideas. The Liberty Force was created by Johnny Adams and Heather Nixon of the Johnny Rocket Launchpad. The Liberty Force comic was originally drawn by Johnny Adams and edited by Javier Palomo. This teleplay was written by Remso W. Martinez and edited by Paul Addis. Starring Jeff Deist, Jason Stapleton, Robin Kerner, Remso W. Martinez, Paul Addis, Jeff Berwick, Ryan Martinez, Tommy Martin, and the Johnny Rocket Launchpad crew, Heather Nixon, Kurt Nelson, and Johnny Rocket Adams. This radio drama production is brought to you by the Johnny Rocket Launchpad and the Liberty Force comic. Please be advised, this is a non-canonical retelling of the history of the Liberty Force. Galaxy in chains, chains that imprison the minds of men and suppress the passions of individuals. Greed, envy, and violence have spread throughout the galaxy like a plague, but somewhere a force is lingering, something that screams to be free again and ascend upon the galaxy like a flood of redemption. Often the dead, dark void of space, a small expedition team travels to the edge of the known galaxy in a modified mosquito scout craft. On secret orders, their scouting mission brings them within a few light years of the Forbidden Zone. There, the crew finds nothing but deep space. What they don't know is that something has found them. Uncomfortably jammed in the small scout craft, three soldiers wearing black and red uniforms contemplate why they were sent on this mission. Johnny, dude, this assignment blows. How do we get stuck on this one? It seriously beats the out of me. We probably piss someone off. Probably, you both know why we're on this assignment. Uh, I'm picking up a strange signal here. Uh, you guys hearing this too? Kurt Nebulon combs his blonde hair back with his hand and begins to adjust his wide-framed glasses, as he always does when nervous. Kurt, it's echoing throughout the ship. How can we not hear it? Shut up, both of you. Kurt, what are the sensors telling us? Johnny's cigarette nearly falls from his mouth when their superior officer scolds him. It's the Forbidden Zone. I don't know why or how a signal could be coming from out there. Technically, I should have Kurt report this, but Johnny, I'll let you make the call. All right. Rock and roll. Let's check it out. As they race into the Forbidden Zone, the crew realizes that disobeying orders could earn them some serious time in the brig. Johnny, the stern yet flippant pilot, glances at the lieutenant in frustration, but as she returns an even sterner look, his attitude quickly fades. Don't make me regret this, Johnny. You know, LT, you just gotta trust my battle-hardened experience. Oh, brother, this is going to end up like... Like what? We all agreed this previous mission was a good idea. Good ideas? Don't get us all threatened with demotions. One demotion won't kill you. I've been demoted twice, but you don't see me complaining. It's as if you're asking for a court-martial with Major Hobbs. Guys! What? What? We're almost over the source of that signal. 
I hear you, Kurt, but nothing is popping up on our radar. The ship's controls are definitely picking up something. Could it be hiding behind a cloaking mechanism? The ship's impact alarm wails within the tiny cockpit as they close in on the unknown signal. The crew is silent as they pay closer attention to the cockpit warning instruments as they begin to fear imminent attack from an unknown enemy. LT, if the object is cloaked, I can't dodge something I can't see. I'm slowing this bitch down. Wait, I see it. Pull up, pull up. The crew shift in their seats from the sheer force of the jerking spacecraft. The small craft flies toward the beacon as the veil of the cloaking device drops, exposing an enormous asteroid, and the ship is sent spiraling to safety. Holy we almost hit that asteroid. Asteroid? Look out the window, it's a freaking starbase! This place must be ancient. I've never seen a starbase designed like that. Kurt, put your annoying robot to use and scan for life forms or energy sources. Uh, hold up, ma'am. He ain't that annoying. He's just overdue for a service checkup. Tommy, come here, bud. Tom E., the small bullet droid, comes zooming quickly into the cockpit. Like similar bullet droid models, Tom E. balances himself perfectly on a single-wheel appendage jutting out from his underside while proudly displaying a bright red fist on his chassis. Tommy is here. Should you be deviating from course, sir? There is something we must report. Really, Kurt? Anyways, let's just land and take a closer look. Do you think they have a bar? Because I really need a drink. The ship stabilizes as the shaking comes to a halt and the alarms go silent. The craft lands on the enormous starbase, which makes the ship seem tiny in comparison. As the crew performs shutdown procedures, they start gearing up. Okay, now that we've landed, let's put on those cool oxygen masks. These masks are not cool. The crew turns on their gravitational boots, which keeps them grounded to the surface of the asteroid and prevents them from floating off into the never-ending void of space. Should we knock or kick it in? Oh, Kurt, grab the C-90 explosives and let's make a real entrance. On it! We aren't blowing up the door. Tommy, go knock on it and see if something shoots at you first. Yes, LT. Hello. We come in peace. Open up or face the wrath of the state. Uh, looks like no one's home. Well, with a welcome call like open up or die from a state bullet droid, would you answer the door? Heather, I don't think there's any way to get this door open without explosives. Fine. Grab the satchel with the C9. Before Heather can finish her instructions, the door slides open, creaking as if it hasn't been opened for centuries. The sound of the door echoes through the dark halls as the lighting struggles and flickers into life. For a moment, the starbase almost sounds as if it is breathing, and the team grows stiff with fear of what lies ahead. It looks like this place has been abandoned for ages and is running on backup power from somewhere. Go look for a lighting module, Kurt. Yes, ma'am. Come on, Tommy. But Tommy is already priming the C-9 explosives. Heather, as pilot in command, if anyone's going to tell Kurt what to blow up and what to search for, it should be me. 
Johnny, let me remind you that I'm the ranking officer here, and I'm the boss of both of you. If you don't shut up, I may have Tommy drop those explosives right next to you the next time you're taking a dump back on the home planet. Keyword dump verified. Launchpad coming back online. The voice from the speakers is loud and commanding, as if roaring back to life. The computer systems throughout the starbase begin to activate. Who would use dump as a keyword? Heather, this isn't a comic book or a radio drama. Soren must have a good reason other than strange comedic value. Hello there. Let me grab some light so my sensors can better read your life vitals. The team is petrified by the strange voice, and they grab their blasters from their holsters. The once intimidating and formidable voice is now replaced with something softer and friendlier, but still seems to come from all directions. Who in the hell is that? Sorry, folks, that was me. How about we all get to know each other a little better? I'll seal the doors and fill the room with air so you can take off those cool helmets. I told you they were cool. Alrighty now. The air is fresh and stabilized. Seriously? Where are you? We mean you no harm. Or face the wrath of the state. <laughs> what a cute little guy. I must first thank you for activating my voice function. I haven't been able to speak for ages. Sir, our orders. Kurt, tell Tommy to strap those explosives to his chassis and self-destruct outside. Can it, Tommy? Hate to sound rude, but how can we trust you and know we aren't going to suffocate to death? Well, trust is a two-way street, but to make you feel better, trust and privacy is my prime directive, too. The dimly lit room displays technology that the trio have never encountered before. Standing in awe, there is a feeling that this is too amazing to be true. They remain alert and on guard as they slowly remove their helmets only to find fresh air filling up their lungs. With typical pilot bravado, Johnny immediately scrambles for his cigarettes. Hey guys, mind if I smoke? The ranking officer of the group stands with her arms crossed in frustration. Her black hair, highlighted with stunning pink stripes, glimmers under the artificial lights as her green eyes pierce into the crew's pilot. Would you stop if I ordered you? No ma'am. With his boyish charm and sarcasm, Johnny might appear younger than his years if it weren't for a few gray streaks that give him away. The previous owners prohibited smoking, but I will trust your action. Well, we're already this far. Well, I hope we can start to trust each other a little bit. If you want, I can answer all your questions in the main command room. Does it have a bar? On their way to the command room, they see crates full of rare minerals and data libraries chronicling topics that seem truly alien to them. As the doors to command open up, a glorious view of the galaxy illuminates the bridge as the console lights flicker throughout. Welcome to command. Here is where your journey of knowledge begins. Holy stardust! This deck is rad! This story goes back thousands of years, and its history involves the lives of families, doctors, workers, scientists, inventors, and risk takers. A story of the past and what could be our future. The room goes dark as the basis computer narrates a story that has never been heard by anyone living in the present.
In the beginning, there was a voluntary society of plants where people had the right to exercise unlimited freedom in their own lives, freedom to live whatever they chose to and pursue their own goals that did not impede on the lives and rights of others to do the same. This society allowed individuals to achieve peace, prosperity, and serenity. Each individual was more important than the collective and was considered a sole entity. As if they've had their vision taken over, the three soldiers see images of lush green planets and the joyous people that once inhabited them. Individuals have the right to protect themselves against the forces of aggression and greed. And in this society, all technology and infrastructure was created by private entities. Competition was the mindset and innovation was the reward. Machines and robots handle all aspects of the manual labor, allowing individuals to focus their time on themselves and what brought them enjoyment. They traded, bartered, and sometimes gave charitably because they ultimately chose to. At the time, the galaxy was infused with an entity known as the Liberty Force, and this force was very effective in keeping tyranny at bay. The seeds of liberty took root in the thoughts of moral individuals, like a tree in fertile soil. Its power spread throughout the known universe. Everyone in these societies shared a portion of this force, allowing them to obtain absolute independence. The Liberty Force was first harnessed by a race known as the Rothbardians, who spread the message of its abilities. As societies were beginning to understand the power and responsibility of freedom, they knew they would need a common defense to protect individuals' lives and property. Therefore, a League of Warriors were commissioned to combat the sinister forces of violence and greed. This League of Warriors was known as the Liberty League. Members of the Liberty League harnessed the Liberty Force, which is the source of their powers and abilities. Hold up! This whole Liberty Force and Free Society of Planets seem like rebel propaganda. Pausing historical footage. As if they are unplugged from the screen, Kurt Nebulon brings them crashing back to reality as he shakes off his state of astonishment. Go get him, Kurt! I understand this may be new to you, but my job was to record human events, not to fabricate them, since that would be against my prime directive. Maybe we should listen since we are the ones asking for answers. Yes, Lieutenant, I apologize. It just seems like nonsense. There's no such thing as the Liberty Force, plus the state was created out of the need for order. Before that, as any good history archive has taught us, it was pure chaos. As the pilot of the group leans against a nearby computer console, he casually chimes in. Remember the battle of the eternal hunger, the assault of the Widowmakers, or our latest battle? There's absolutely no order on the battlefield. Johnny, you fought the assault of the Widowmakers? Damn right. History is not accurate. This is propaganda. This does not match with the state's mandatory history curriculum. Re-education, re-education. Must report soldiers to re-education. This is exactly what your commanders want you to think. Calm down, Tommy. This is just part of the investigation. Can you please continue? Playing historical footage. Too bad nobody brought snacks. I thought you wanted to drink. To protect the entire galaxy, hundreds of launch pad star bases were assembled in key strategic locations across the cosmos. These launch pads, like the one you are standing in, were critical in maintaining peace and prosperity throughout the galaxy and were meant to channel the scattered beams of the Liberty Force energy in order to fuel the power of the Liberty League. Each launch pad served a different purpose. Some were marketplaces, others were libraries and schools, and some were like this, a defensive outpost for military and law enforcement purposes. 
the guardians that protected the launch pads were called the Systems Archives Infrastructure Negotiation and Tactics Systems. Saints, for short. But over time, I believe I may be the last of the saints. Despite our best efforts, the armies of envy, greed, and destruction crept into existence and waged war on the galaxy. The Liberty League tried their best, but were defeated and killed in battle. This evil army turned into a collectivist den of death called the State, where power was monopolized and control was its ultimate goal. The leader of the State was a vicious, cutthroat opportunist named Morose, who had his own vision of what an ordered society would look like. He used violence to enforce his reign and justified theft and conflict as the lifeblood of the State. Wait a minute. You mean to tell me we're the bad guys? I've never done anything that evil. I'm just a pilot. Yes, Johnny. You wear the crimson red markings of the state on your black and red uniform. Your crest on the chest is the symbol of force, the red fist of the state's military arm. What if this is true? I mean, this thing's prime directive is truth. Well, in my defense, I've never trusted the government anyways. Sir, I am detecting treason and sedition on Adam's voice. Kurt, tell that f robot to go outside and detonate those damn C9 explosives it's carrying. I'm sick of that thing. The robot shakes as it exhibits fear of Johnny, the brash and brutal soldier who has always despised the droid. It's okay, buddy. I won't let him hurt you. I'm just going to turn off your voice function for a little bit. No. If we can get back to business, why were you sending out a signal to us? Because the Liberty Force knows you as individuals, independent thinkers, not your average state soldiers. Therefore, the Liberty Force guided me to you, ultimately for you three to receive the axioms of liberty so you may carry on the powers of the Liberty Force. side of the galaxy, a pyramid-like structure of black metallic markings pierces through space rubble and asteroids like they are nothing but a mist. From a distance, it appears to be nothing more than a comet, one of the many wonders of space. But on closer inspection, it is clear that this is a weapon of war and destruction. It is Leviathan, the world ender, and it is commanded by Major Hobbs the Ruthless, one of the most decorated officers the universe has ever known. On board the massive vessel, a soldier races through one of the many long corridors headed for the ship's commander with important information. Major Hobbs, sir. The Major sits in his massive throne-like commander's seat as his thoughts are interrupted by the unexpected soldier. His face is half hidden by his Imperial helmet, poised as if he is in a constant state of combat preparation. Hobbs is taller than most of the soldiers, the only thing surpassing his commanding height is his dominant and controlling presence that follows him like a menacing cloud. We have received an intel report that about three misfits, the ones that you had sent out on that exploration mission, it, it seems that you were right about them. Of course I was. They deviated from the route and have traveled into the Forbidden Zone, sir. Reports also show that they have landed on some sort of ancient star base. An ancient base. I wonder what they found. Major Hobbs. Sir, the Supreme Ruler himself demands you contact him ASAP. Ready the ship, Lieutenant, while I contact the Supreme Ruler. Private Dameron, your cosmic fidget spinner has arrived in cargo. Soldiers aren't what they used to be. 
Hobbs, a man not accustomed to fear, almost seems nervous as he goes to the communication room. I wonder what the old man wants. I hope he didn't find out about my team. Hobbs enters the room and faces a circular panel on the ground, which projects an image of the shadowy ruler, with a bright, blood-red rose sticking out of his long, snake-like gray hair. Hobbs kneels before the projected image of his leader. He knows better than to make eye contact. (laughs) Supreme Ruler, this is Major Hobbs. What can I do for you, my lord? Major Hobbs, am I to understand you have three soldiers who have entered the Forbidden Zone without permission or sanction? I fear they have been drawn in by the Liberty Force and it has been awakened from its long slumber. The Forbidden Zone is forbidden for reasons beyond your comprehension, Major, and you will be held accountable. Now deploy your ship and destroy that starbase, and anyone who tries to fight back or escape, make this right, Hobbs. It shall be done, Master. Back on the launch pad, our heroes began to deal with this new, life-shattering information. Slow down! What the hell makes you think we would want to join your crusade to restore liberty? We already have a nice 401k, we have amazing benefits, and you want us to become insurgents? Well, state care took a month to remove my bad tooth. All I offer you is a chance to make a difference that you choose to make. Each one of you holds defensive powers of the Liberty Force in your heart, equivalent to the power of the state's strongest fighters. For this, you have been chosen because you all crave truth and justice. On one of the panels, three circular discs of gold pop out, each with its own distinct marking. Kurt will become the speed of sound, the herald of liberty. This axiom was created to deliver the message of liberty to the galaxy and has the ability to move at supersonic speed and create sonic blasts. Johnny will take the mantle of the Rocketeer, liberty's defender with the power of rocket-like propulsion from his sheer will and superhuman strength and invincibility. Heather will become the voice of reason, freedom's voice with the ability to alter perception and gifted with psychic non-lethal weapons. First, the code word to activate Saint is dump, and now we're getting superpowers and nicknames? Tell me we're all dead and this is hell or something. The Rocketeer sounds badass. Do I get a cape? No capes. No, Johnny, because capes aren't cool. What do you all think about this? Why not take this whole thing for a spin at least? I don't know, guys. This is a big freaking decision we can't just jump into. This is our lives we're talking about here, huh? Loud explosions and eruptions rock the launch pad, with one explosion sending a chunk of wall hurtling toward Kurt's head, knocking him unconscious while the others stumble to the ground. So they skipped the talking and went straight to shooting? I guess going to OCS gets you absolutely no privileges. Systems shutting down. Manual reboot necessary. Shields running on reserve power. As the Leviathan unleashes a deadly attack against the ancient launch pad, the command room goes dark. Saint and the heroes both go silent as toxic gas enters from the cracks in the room yet the launch pad still holds up to the incoming barrage of attacks. 
Just outside the launch pad, Major Hobbs stands silently while he calculates his next method of attack. It seems they've activated their shields. Our supreme attack was most effective. Sergeant Zen, come here. Yes, sir. Get your best men together and assemble the landing party. Once their shields are depleted, I want you to deploy your platoon. Consider it done, sir. Her eyes flicker as Heather slowly wakes from unconsciousness. I must have gone out like a light. Kurt? Johnny? Johnny, no longer wearing his state uniform, steps in front of Heather out of the shadows wearing an ancient gray and red battle suit with a rounded clear helmet meant for deep space travel. Johnny, is that you? Damn right, LT. Johnny, what are you wearing? You like the new digs, LT? We're under attack and figured better get in or get out. So I went and took one of the axioms for a spin so maybe we can get out of here alive. Besides, say maybe I'm something here. Johnny, the shields are down to 30%. The state ship is continuing to fire and we will be destroyed the moment those shields are down. Is Kurt okay? Kurt is fine and so is his annoying robot. Nothing a little first aid didn't fix. The only bad news is, most of my pack of smokes in the explosion. How long have I been out? Long enough that our shields are down 30%. Kurt, now awake and with bandages around his head, slowly limps over to the rest of his team. Johnny, uh, how should we deal with this situation? Well, we're completely outnumbered and have no way of running. We have one wounded soldier, I have no smokes, and only our blasters. I suggest we see what these axioms are made of. Like this? Heather grabs the Voice of Reason axiom disc. And like pure energy, her uniform begins to change into a crimson red combat suit with a belt harnessing her dual pistols. Wow, you look awesome, Heather. You know what? You fill out that red suit well, LT. The alarms go off again and the team can hear the horde of state soldiers outside the main entrance. Guys, we have a serious problem. Oh, so they're just going to blow up the door? Kill those traitors, then destroy everything inside. The doors are viciously blown off, and laser beams begin to rain upon the heroes. One after another, the horde of state commandos comes running into the launch pad, spraying beams and lobbing grenades in every direction. Kurt stumbles as his leg gives out and a group of state commandos aim their rifles at him. Surrender! It's Master Specialist Kurt Nebulon. I'm a state soldier. Fire! Just fire! Out of nowhere, the disabled bullet droid Tom E. is woken by his master's screams for help. He flies toward the trouble as the commando pulls the trigger of his rifle. The beam pierces Tommy's dense armor, but he manages to save Kurt. No. Tommy! Johnny and Heather rush into combat against the commandos, turning the attack into an all-out brawl. All right, let's rock and roll. Hope this doesn't hurt too much. Johnny soars like a rocket, knocking out ten commandos with one thunderous punch. Is violence the answer? Heather's voice echoes reason in the heads of another squad who drop their weapons and realize that violence never really solves anything. Heather's strong and logical suggestion causes the state troopers to give up without a fight. Wow, I had no idea that would really work. 
while Heather and Johnny fend off the commandos near the launch pad entrance. Kurt attempts to quickly patch Tommy together before the bullet droid is completely lost. Tommy! You okay, bud? I'll avenge you, little buddy. Time to show the state what liberty really is. Kurt quietly sneaks back to the now-demolished command room. Kurt sees the final Axiom disc near the control console. It's now or never. Looks like there's no going back. Kurt reaches out for the final Axiom and quickly morphs into the blue and yellow costume speed of sound. Meanwhile, down below, Heather and Johnny seem overwhelmed by the state horde. Where did Kurt go? This is getting ridiculous. Take that! As the battle goes on, Heather's quick and nimble Lockean strikes render a group of state soldiers helpless. Hopefully Kurt is safe. His robot saved his life. He hasn't... Careful, LT. You're not laser-proof like me. A random laser blast nearly maims Heather. Have I told you lately how you remind me of a Fangdor's ass? The Rocketeer zooms across the bay as he takes out a squad of soldiers as if they were bowling pins and Johnny was the ball. Lucky! Strike! A quick blue and yellow streak flashes across the room, confusing everyone that spots it. Speed of sound at your service! As if time is frozen, Kurt manages to single-handedly take out a group of state commandos with surgical precision. Don't tread on me! With the commandos beginning to retreat, shots can still be seen coming from the entrance. Looks like the band is back together! Kurt, anything else you want to show us? How about a sonic? sonic wave of pure force throws back the remaining combatants throughout the room as if picked up by a massive ocean wave. Back on the Leviathan, word gets back to Hobbes, who must now face Supreme Leader Emrose regarding his failure to destroy the launch pad. My lord, I failed you. The Liberty Force is just too powerful. All of the axioms have been in place. Now we must regroup. We must rethink our plans and destroy the Liberty Force once and for all. I agree, my lord. Back on the launch pad, the heroes revel in their victory against state commandos and Hobbes' forces. I know I should be happy, but this isn't the last problem we're going to have. You're damn right, LT. As Johnny and Heather stand above the retreating soldiers, the light of the final laser blasts glimmer off their dark hair. Looks like I'm the hero of the battle, Johnny. Get back, Kurt. The last of the reserve generators turn off, and Saint can be heard throughout the vessel coming back online to full power. Now we need to know what to do since we're stuck on this rock, though. Well, then, who said this was just a rock? The launch pad begins to shake, and on a monitor, the team can see that on the back of the asteroid, there are five heavy thrusters pushing it forward. The launch pad isn't a starbase at all. It's a long-range command vessel. Are you kidding me? This thing moves? Now that the battle's over, we have this really fantastic lounge downstairs. You could have mentioned that before. I was looking for a bar. Don't you dare shoot that screen, Johnny. I didn't know what a bar was. I also made sure to secure your pack of cigarettes. I didn't want you to lose them. We don't have cigarettes in the Forbidden Zone. What? 
the heroes venture forth into the vast unknown of the Forbidden Zone, rummaging through the libraries of lost knowledge and learning the extent of their new powers. While they may celebrate their recent victory, the calculating him rose, and his empire begin to arm their forces. For now, the real conflict has begun, and the universe will never be the same. This was narrated by Jeff Dice, president of the Mises Institute, which you can find at Mises.org. This broadcast was brought to you by the makers of the Johnny Rocket Launchpad. Please check out the Johnny Rocket Launchpad at johnnyrocketlaunchpad.com. And please pick up the official comic book of the Liberty Force at libertyforce.com. And always remember, liberty begins with you, the listener.